Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Today's episode is brought to you by Adventure Dice. Adventure Dice is an online dice shop based here in Vancouver, selling a variety of dice and other gaming accessories. Personally, I'm a big fan of their rolling trays and the grounded pixie dice set. Adventure Dice ships for free anywhere in Canada, and if you use the code DMV at checkout, you can get a 10% discount on your purchase. That's DMV for a nice discount on your new tabletop gear. Find the shop at adventuredice.ca and roll for adventure! Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're going to be talking about character backstories. Today we're talking to Austin Payne. How's it going, Austin? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing pretty good. Yeah, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, let's let's get into it. Um, we've, we've had you on before, so we know a bit about your kind of relation to tabletop games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's get right into the topic. Uh, how do you deal with PC's backstories? So I guess all the games I've run so far have been fairly long format games. Nothing super short. Uh, I haven't really done any one shots. I've just jumped straight into like long campaigns. And uh, when I have a new player start a game or a group of players, I usually just go over with them the world, uh, what kind of character they are interested in playing. Um, And then I just kind of let them do what they want backstory wise, as long as it's like not absolutely crazy and doesn't fit like a fantasy setting which hasn't happened so far no one's been like i want to play a cyberpunk you know shooter in like fantasy land but even then i feel like i'd try and find a way to accommodate what they wanted but uh usually what ends up happening every time i've ran a game is that at least one player if not all of them come up with backstories that have these really interesting elements that allow me to weave them into the story in an interesting way so I recently, and I'm going to have to warn my players not to listen to this because I am going to talk about some other backstories because <laughs> I figured I wouldn't be able to talk about this stuff if I couldn't. So if they're listening to this right now, they got to stop right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I recently had a player uh, in my online game that I'm running make a tabaxi wizard who uh, had about six months missing from their memory because they went to a ruin as an archaeologist and a group of other archaeologists to kind of explore it. And they found something there. And then there's this, they have no memory of what happened after that point. And they woke up in a field six months later and were like nursed back to health. And all they gave me was that. And the the fact that their character's fur had turned gray with a black sort of strike across it, the fur, not like a scar, but like the fur itself was just black in that spot across their chest. And that's all they gave me. So it allowed me to really figure out like, oh, like, what do I want to have this be about? And that kind of weaves them into the story. And I ended up going with something that related to what I had already had planned, which was a lot of undead related things that are going on. But then as well, like trying to figure out who else in the party can have their stories connect. Um, We had uh, a paladin in the party who uh, was very motivated by their patron, who joined up with everybody because their patron, I decided like, oh, you know, it would make sense if their patron wanted them to protect these people in the party as well as uh, the people around them. 
And so the patron sent them like a message being like, you know, there's danger coming to these people. You have to find them. You have to help them. And so suddenly their, their backstories started to all connect a little bit in ways that they weren't expecting. Yeah, that's usually kind of how I handle it. So one thing that I'm curious about is that there's kind of two like tropes, I guess is the best way to put it, about characters and creating backstories. Like there's the kind of player who will come in and slam down a book and be like, this is my character's backstory. And you're like, hold on a sec. And then there are the yeah. players who um, it takes hours and hours of ne- needling them to like give up even the smallest details. Um, have you had to deal with either of those kind of players? And, and how did you deal with it if you did? So I, I've had to deal with both, uh, which has been interesting. In one case, so I've had players who came to me and they were ready to play this you know, campaign, but they didn't really have an idea of what they wanted to do exactly with their character, other than they're like, well, this is who they are. But backstory-wise, they hadn't really built anything out and trying to get them to sit down and come up with something was a bit of a struggle. So what I ended up doing was just having a backstory session with them where we sat down together and I was like, okay, so like, who do you think your character is? Where do you think they went to school? Like, do you think they went to school? Did they not go to school? Did they grow up in the forest? Did they grow up in the mountains? Um, This player in particular with one of my uh, good friends, through one of these sessions, we built this really interesting backstory for him where he was accused of murdering his roommate in uh, sort of like a college setting, fantasy college setting, and then hid in the underdark where he met a druid who only showed up in the form of a giant bat who trained him to be a druid and that was just from sitting down with him and actually going through it and just asking him lots of questions about his character um starting with just the very basics of like who do you think they are what do they like what do they not like do you think they would like to live in this kind of place or this kind of place and then slowly we started to build the little pieces and be like oh maybe he went to college oh what if he didn't like his roommate what if he was then framed for the murder and like it just built up and built up um in other cases where i've gotten backstories that were just really big and really long i would i guess i would, I would try to talk with the player just about ways that definitely like at the very least i try to make sure that they in some way connect to the world that i've have ready for them so that it's not completely unrelated to the stuff going on in the world and usually so far, players have been very good with that by finding ways to connect it to maybe a particular city or a particular location so that there was at least something grounding them there. And in other ways, too, sometimes if they come to me with all this stuff in their backstory and it's maybe not something I have in my world or haven't thought about putting into my world yet, I will just put it into my world in a way. Um, I had a player who came to me and they wanted their character to be from a, uh, uh, an elven city in the Feywild. And I hadn't really thought about that because I hadn't been planning to build a city in the Feywild, but I was like, you know what? All right, let's, let's have that. And they had this huge backstory of their whole history uh, of their character in that place uh, to the point where they actually wrote like a, a sort of like novelette about their character and their backstory in that place. And so to make sure that they felt like they were comfortable in this world and were a part of it, I just had them, I was like, you know what? Feywild, I haven't really fleshed out that much. Let's just take what you've done. And that's that's the Feywild. And that's the place in the Feywild you've come from. So it's, it's definitely a lot of collaboration with the player, regardless of whether it's them making too much backstory. I wouldn't say too much, but a lot of backstory or not a lot of backstory. And the, the reason that I ask is because I think as DMs, one of the things, at least one of the things that I've gotten a huge kick out of is when players come to you with something it's much more fun to figure out ways to weave that into the story than somebody who shows up and says, 
I'm a dwarf fighter and that's all there is to me. It's like, give me something because you're trying to, we're trying to create these stories and it's a lot easier when there's a ready-made hook that the player gives you as to, you know, why this bad guy means something to them or why this town or particular kind of creature or bad guy or whatever uh, means something to that character. It makes it a lot easier to, to draw them into the story. Yeah, definitely. Something I've done too, if a player doesn't give me much to work with, is uh, I start finding things, I, I pay attention to the way they're playing and see if they connect like to some aspect of the world. I've had players who didn't show a ton of, or didn't not, not show, they didn't give me a ton of backstory. But then as we started playing, they got very connected to a certain NPC. And suddenly I'm like, oh, oh, they care about that NPC. So what if I, what if I did something and maybe hurt that NPC or took them away? Would that player then react? And would that become a part of their story? Is like, I have to find this NPC because I really liked them. Or maybe I will notice them doing a lot of looting. And I'm like, ooh. Could I potentially slip in a cursed item that they're looting because they don't really check what they're getting? There's like, cool, an enchanted battle axe. And now I have this cool battle axe. But then the battle axe starts to talk to them. <laughs> and, you know, it can be just little things like that. Like if maybe they didn't give me something that was meaty enough in their backstory, I can just start throwing things at them in the world if I notice them really leaning towards something in particular. So... Part of the reason that we're talking about character backstories is because we want to, you wanted to talk about how to weave those into the into the main plot, and I think this is something that uh, people are somewhat familiar with if they're if they've watched things like Critical Role and stuff like that, where that's, I think that's kind of the, for me at least, it's one of those like, it's part of that secret sauce of D&D. It's one of those things that, yeah. you know, when you don't have to get it 100% right, you can get it even just a tiny bit right, and it still feels amazing because, like, it's that moment of, hey, you and I sitting here rolling dice, we just told an awesome story. So yeah. do you have any uh, techniques or tips on on how you do that weaving of what the player has given you into the world or the main plot that you've come up with for a campaign? Um, yeah, I guess one of the things I definitely do is that even before the campaign starts and I've just collected everyone's backstories is like after I've gone through each one and read them all, um, I'll start to make notes underneath in my notes. Like I'll, I'll take like a copy of their backstory and just make notes in it underneath in different color about what I think could be interesting for them just to get a starting point for me. And then I also will look at the story that I'm telling and think like, is there a spot that I can fit them in or potentially take their backstory and make it a large part of the story? I've been lucky so far that some of the players I've had gave me some really good stuff that I was able to really like make a large point of the story. Um, but even then the other players, I obviously don't want to only focus on one. I'd say like the biggest thing has just been trying to balance everything and give each player just enough of something from their backstory every so often that they will suddenly be like, oh, like something's happening or there's like a hook that's keeping them uh, reminded of what their backstory was or the things that they've told me. Keeping, keeping that going can be hard, but as I've been doing it more, I've been trying to really kind of create like a layered effect as they're going through the world. So that if one player, if their backstory is kind of the prominent one at the moment and they're kind of dealing with something that I've brought up for them, 
I'm not just focusing on that. I'll start to bring up other things from the other players' backstories, almost in a way of where they start to feel a little bit like, oh my God, like which, which one should we be focusing on? Because, you know, we're going north to this ruin to see if we can figure out what happened to our friend. But now our paladin's god is talking to them again and they want him to go east. And then our other, our monk's uh, magical weapon is starting to talk to them. Like all sorts of stuff starts to pile up. And it creates this really interesting feeling for the players of they are all involved, but their stories don't necessarily dictate who's is currently happening. And it kind of, it feels a little, I guess, a little bit more real for them to have to prioritize certain things because everything's kind of happening at the same time. I have a quick question for you about that because yeah. like, um, I love that you're, you know, kind of piling up things from everybody's backstory, but how do you balance that to keep it from getting to be kind of like too much? Because that, that would be my worry with that technique. Yeah. So I'm only doing it with, with one of my groups currently. Okay. And the way that it's working out, which is quite nice so far, has just been that one of the stories is a bit more dangerous and a little bit more maybe time pressing where one of the characters is genuinely concerned that their character might be partially undead or something so they're like okay maybe we should deal with this now so that we can figure this out so even though the other players it, it's almost like just keeping them aware of the fact that these things are happening in the world while they focus on something else it's not just going to like have one story starts and then the other one ends and then the next one starts and the other one ends it's like kind of creating a like a layer where they know even if they're not going after that goal currently, it's still there and it's still potentially getting more intense while they ignore it. Um, and so it, it, it gives them an idea of, as well of constantly thinking about what their next mission is going to be or their next quest while they're still doing their current one. Yeah. yeah. This group seems to really enjoy that. And it, it's kind of, it, it is just sort of keeping track of what you're doing and, and what the players are interested in doing. And that's pretty much what I did in my previous campaign was that I had some story hooks and some some character moments from the backstories of pretty much all of my players. And I was able to kind of use the my world to the my advantage because I was able to say, like, as they were giving me backstory, it's like, okay, one of them has a bunch of backstory story hooks over here in this city and this character gave me an open-ended one so I'm going to place that over here and the other character gave me one that I can put down over here and so I could present them somewhat early on in the campaign with hey here's a bunch of story hooks tied directly into your character backstories but you can't pursue two at the same time you yes. they're, they're kind of separated by by the world by the geography of the place so you know, it's up to the party which one they want to to track to to go and deal with first. But it means that once they've made that decision, unless I make, unless I decide to make some changes and like bring another one crashing into the main plot, <laughs> that they're going to stay fairly separate. I just want to touch uh, quickly on something you said earlier, Austin, about uh, one of the backstories your players gives you, which I think actually ties into one of the the points we wanted to hit, which is. Um, I have also in past games gotten characters where or players who have given me the kind of great gift to a DM of empty time where they're oh, like, yeah. I don't know what happened. I can't remember this. Or uh, in my case, I had a, a warlock whose patron part of the deal with their patron was that they would get a couple of hours of their time sometime in the future, um, which, you know, allows me to plan and connive and uh, 
think about you know what their players are going through but I think this ties into what you wanted to talk about about uh secrets about players backstories that they don't know yeah and this is something that I'm curious about too because it feels like it's such a a tricky subject because it's uh, to me it feels like it's it's not going over the line but it is dancing dangerously close to taking away player agency yes because it's something that like you have to be careful because if 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 a character like the character that you, you've got in your campaign who's got this six months where they got up to stuff that they didn't know about it i guess it depends on how, like how well you know that player and how well they'd react to it but there's a huge difference between like oh you got taken over you got possessed and you just did a little necromancy on the side versus yeah you killed a country oh yeah yeah you don't want to go too far and yeah it definitely depends on like how well you know the player or what you know that they're comfortable with i think too with uh the empty time thing is it's you know it's a communication with your players thing right like i can if i have a player who does that i can sit them down and go okay look how horrible can i make whatever you did be because if you know if they're they're not you know, comfortable with, um, you know, maybe sacrificing a small town to an eldritch god, but are comfortable with, you know, oh yeah, I, I menaced, menaced a small town. Yeah, or I raised a yeah. horde of undead or, you know, whatever, right? Like you can kind of gauge those things. Um, and I think yeah. and I think for other things, when we're talking about secrets that um, maybe are attached to a character's backstory that they might know, like um, in my game, and I don't think... My players actively listen, so hopefully I'm not spoiling anything. Um, like my game, my players are all playing uh, teenagers in a, in a real world high school, and it's kind of a portal fantasy thing where they go to another dimension. And so Ooh. they've they've all given me like what their family is like, and you know, oh, there are, are missing parents or dead parents or whatever, and I can, you know, there might be the thing that their character thinks is the truth about those that is not going to turn out to be the truth about those because it's like I'm, you know, this kind of game is, it's run in 5e, but it's largely inspired by things like Persona and like Digimon and other portal fantasy stuff where it'll be like, well, you know, actually your parent isn't dead. They are this thing. Um, And it'll show up later. And, you know, maybe, you know, their parent is the guardian figure or maybe their parent is like the big bad or whatever. But, you know, it's a a thing that they're going to find out about. And it doesn't necessarily contradict anything they've told me about their backstory. I think the difference there, though, is that their it, character it, didn't do it. In the case, yeah, in the case of Austin's characters, like my character has six months of missing time, versus my parent left. Like it is kind of a like I could see a player being like, "Oh my god, my parent is the big bad," versus like I created the big bad. Yeah, well, and 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 there are differences, right? And like. I think that's the difference between a like a time hole where we don't know what happened and a thing that is um, tangential, I guess, to their backstory or attached to it that they don't know about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really yeah. curious to hear how you handle stuff like that when like a character is, or a player is giving you a backstory and you see something and go, oh, I can use this. Yeah. I guess like, yeah, with the player that I have that has missing time, I was fortunate that it it did sort of play a little bit into what I had planned. And as well, that player is also a DM uh, in his own game. So it it helped me a little bit that they were like totally cool with me doing crazy stuff. They didn't have any kind of like, you know, worries, I guess. They weren't like a new player, not used to that kind of thing happening. 
and then whereas in my one of my other games i have a character this you made me think of this because uh of what you just said with your players uh having like parents and things that you didn't know about them uh one of my other characters didn't know her character's father and uh so i took that and they're now searching for him so the things that her father could be could be a lot of things and as they've been questing, they've been finding out that he might be related to a lot of demon things going on in the city they're in. So that is, as well has been interesting, kind of keeping that from the player until they started to discover it and finding out that that's who their father was um, has been interesting. I don't know what it is about the disappeared father figure thing that I just find it so juicy where it's like yes this yeah. this father figure that raised you and taught you everything you knew and then disappeared or you thought was dead has turned out to be really not a good person <laughs> yeah oh man so this is this is great for me because in my game i've got four players uh one's father is dead by mysterious oh. circumstance one is a deadbeat who's just missing um and then one both of their parents are dead and then the other their dad is around but incredibly distant both their parents are and i'm just like i have so much weird parental stuff i can do in this game it's amazing <laughs> oh my god that's so good oh man yeah that is really good yeah. that stuff is very fun one thing i'm curious about because this has uh come up in in the game that i'm running right now the care one of the characters um and the player i think is like started to work this out like they thought it up after the campaign has started but it turns out that like one of the reasons that they've joined this this expedition to a faraway island chain is that a little bit of it is that they want to show up their older sister who was like the favorite have you guys ever had any like sibling rivalry kind of stuff where it's like either i'm going out to be an adventure to show up my paladin bigger brother or like finding out that me being the parents' favorite turned my younger sibling into an evil dick. Interestingly, I don't know if I've had any players that had like siblings that were really developed. I think a lot of them either didn't think about it or were only children, I think. Yeah. <laughs> from um, what I know. Which I, I think makes sense from a like a fantasy kind of thing is like, yes, I am the only child and I'm the best and often my family doesn't actually matter because, you know, I'm an adventurer. Yeah, totally. But um, my answer is yes, a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's see. In my current game, um, I guess for backstory, have either of you watched Shit's Creek? Not yet. It's on no. my list. Okay. So uh, one the character and she's the main characters are all a family, and um, there's this kind of ongoing, um, I guess, conspiracy theory about the show that the kind of like ditzy sister was actually a spy because she keeps on mentioning these like really over-the-top dangerous crazy situations she's been in um just kind of <laughs> offhandedly uh, but the show plays her up as so like kind of incompetent that it seems impossible it's it's this weird thing um but uh in both of the games i have this one player in he has played a character based off a different character from Shit's creek um which is delightful because i also love the show so i like get all the jokes he's making Oh my god. So he's playing basically a teenage version of the son from Shit's Creek, um, which means occasionally he gets phone calls from his sister where she offhandedly remarks about like being in a dangerous situation and he's just so anxious about what's happening with her 
and it's ne- it's probably never going to be resolved because for me it's an ongoing just kind of joke because we all know about the theory about Alexis. Um, mm-hmm. But um, let's see what else have I had? I've had in one of my uh, one of my games I have a character who has something like twelve siblings from a halfling family, and wow. they're like there's like one or two that she specifically doesn't get along with and they're all kind of like successful business people in Waterdeep and it's like this whole kind of thing where she tries to avoid them but also can't because there's so many of them and the city's only so big. Um, oh, what else do I, have I had? I haven't had any of like specifically evil rival siblings though, which is a thing I might have to work in at some point. So... Kind of getting back to the, the, the topic of weaving this stuff this stuff in, Jesse just had an idea. Oh, no, sorry. I have one more thing I have to talk about. Uh, my <laughs> yeah. first ever D&D character in an ongoing campaign had a lot of sibling things. He was the 13th in a line of noble family, and like it was clear he was never going to inherit everything, and he was like bitter about it, and since his family was like a very like military family, like everybody else in it, had some big important role and that by the time they got to him they just never bothered um which also ended in like they sent one of his sisters to this like grand order of wizards so later he became almost her kind of like fate play thing where she would be like hmm i need somebody who i can kind of rely on who's competent to be over here hey brandon I know you wanted to live in the woods and never do anything again, but uh, I'm sending you to find this chosen one and protect her. (laughs) Wow. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. So I think one last thing, though, before we get back to other backstory stuff is have either of you ever built a secret with a player that's meant to be a surprise to the party with regards to their backstory? Like something that if the other characters knew about, there'd be crazy drama or they'd be like what are you doing out here you need to be back in the capital helping rule this place like anything that you've come up with with a player specifically meant as a secret for the party i've done that only a little bit with one of my games which is the one with the the player whose father uh had did she didn't know him super well and was questing to find him Two of the other players had a little bit of uh, backstory secrets. One of them was the one that was the druid who had been framed for murdering his roommate, um, which the other party members didn't know about. So that was something we built together because that could come up with either him deciding to tell the party or me having like bounty hunters come after them and not and him not knowing or the party not knowing why he was being attacked. Right. Um, and then the other player had a secret family. Okay. Um, and a, whole, a whole secret past life that he completely left behind. He'd like changed careers. He had been like in a bard group, but then now he's a thief, uh, like rogue character. And he had a family with a kid and like he just ghosted them all and started a new life. And the party still doesn't know about that too much yet. <laughs> he, he sort of let on a little bit because he did die. And then they had to bring him back and he left a will and he quickly sort of went over like quick things like, oh, I have family uh, stuff. And they're sort of like, what? And then he never talked about it again. And they're all kind of like, what is going on with this guy? Uh, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, those are the only two I've really done that with a lot. I I don't think I've had a lot really as far as that goes. I, I did have the one warlock who's like part of their deal is that they have that 
those couple hours of time where the person can take control of them. But the other mm-hmm. kind of important thing about that character and that warlock is that she thinks her warlock is good aligned, or her patron is good aligned. Hmm. And her like the player knows that she's not. But like the player told me exactly who she wants the the patron to be, but the character thinks it's like an angelic force when really it is a demigod in the service of Loth, or it was a demigod in the service of Loth. That game sadly uh, ended up kind of not working out um, uh. because of time constraints and also just like I didn't really know where the plot. I didn't have a good handle on what I wanted the plot to be. Um, yeah. How about you, Sean? Um. So far, not really. Um, the The previous campaign that I ran, everybody was fairly upfront about their backstories and what it meant to the party. Um, and we didn't dive too much in. Like, there's a couple of players we didn't dive too much into their backstory. The campaign that I'm running now, um, no, everybody is fairly upfront Uh I think there might be some some opportunity for me to sit down with one or two of my players and come up with something. But I'm also like the campaign I'm running now is three players. They're all magic users. And it's basically like Indiana Jones. Let's explore this ancient vine and jungle covered island chain and and figure out what what went wrong and if we can fix it. So it's more about the exploration. It's kind of, it's a hex crawl thing. So that sounds super fun. It is super fun. And it, <laughs> and I am really leaning into improvisational DMing. So yeah. I, I prepare very little and it's a little terrifying, but at the same time it is, I think it's the right way to play on roll 20. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Oh, yeah. Give me a high five. <laughs> um, so uh, getting back to the topic, one of the things that I'm, that I am curious about because I mean, I'm, I've only got three players right now, but when you've got four or five players and, you know, they've all got, like, say you've got five players, they've all got a great uh, plot hook or two waiting in their backstories. How do you keep the players reminded about those those potential plot hooks, things that they can go investigate, things that they can go and do specifically related to their backstories so that the players, the party, even the like specific player who has a plot hook that you want to bring up, that the they don't forget about them, that they don't just, you know, get written up and you spend an hour or two working with a player and then never talk about it again. How do you how do you keep that stuff fresh in the players' minds? I think I find the best thing for me so far uh has been just even doing the smallest thing, like adding a little bit of flavor to something the character's been doing or like this, it can be something really small. A good example, and this is something my one player is still trying to figure out. Uh, she has a sword. It's just it's just a sun sword. The ones that kind of like almost lightsaber like. Yeah. Um, and it had been passed down through her Aladrin family for a long time, and that was just a part of her backstory that she gave me. And I was like, I could do something with this. And so, a little while ago, they buried uh, a moon elf that had been killed. Uh, during this quest that they'd met them like previously and then they found out they had died and so they decided to do a proper elven burial and the sword started to sing and I think at first they were so busy with other stuff they didn't she didn't really think about it too much but then suddenly she was like wait so what song did it sing and I'm like it sang a very very old elvish song usually you know like it's been 
probably hundreds of years since this was used frequently. And then she started realizing, oh no, that's that, that's a little that's a little tidbit. There's something about this sword, and so now she's trying to figure it out. But that's you know probably a little further along plot wise with her dealing with that. But it was just enough to get her to suddenly realize like something's there's something about this, and it's related to my backstory. And it's related to the stuff. So now that's each session she's kind of trying to look into it a little bit more. I also had um, the character who's lost time. They were dealing with a whole other thing for the first part of the campaign um the campaign kind of kicked off with uh, a rift to the fireplane opening and the paladin's patron telling them they had to help and like protect the city and protect these people that they've met but to keep the player who'd lost time kind of aware that maybe there is something going on with them i had over a period of time little things started to happen to them at nighttime so at first Moths and fireflies would just flutter around their chest at night and they just wouldn't go away. And if they stayed still enough, they would land on their chest where that sort of black uh, fur scar was. And then mice started to like come to them and leave them weird little trinkets in their pockets in exchange for pieces of their rations to the point where they're eating her rations, like fully eating them all. And then she would find her pockets filled with like buttons and a, a gold tooth and some like just random stuff that was kind of shiny and it being centered around that sort of scar on their chest they figured it's related so that kept bringing it up for them and just just like little stuff like that i find is enough to remind a player just like a little bit of flavor nothing that's going to put them in mortal danger unless you really want to push them in that direction be like you have to go there now this thing's attacking you and it's it's part of your backstory it's just like a little thing to make them go like oh yeah oh shit that's a thing that's a thing i have to deal with at some point i just want to say really quickly the idea of of moths and bugs and stuff fluttering around a player it are you familiar with the magicians i don't think so no it's uh it's a great trilogy of books but it's also a tv show on sci-fi and in the in the first season it's basically think harry potter but more real world and instead of being like a and much more cynical. Much more cynical. And like, it's a, th- like, the magicians are in a grad school, basically, for people who find out that they're magicians. Um, but the main bad guy for season one and, and part of season two is a character called the Beast. And in the first appearance, it's this six fingered man in a nice suit whose head is entirely covered by uh, strange moths that are just fluttering oh. around and covering his face. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And so like if I was in that campaign, it's like all these moths just keep fluttering around this player. It'd be like, cool, time to kill the player. No, no. <laughs> they're, oh, they're turning into the beast. Oh, man. Um, yeah. The, I mean, the players are certainly concerned because it's been kind of escalating a little bit. Like at one point they'd laid on the ground to sleep in the forest and they felt something under them and they stood, sat up and worms had started to come up from under the ground underneath them, which freaked them out a lot which also spurred them on to like maybe this is getting like worse maybe i should do something about this but it was just like little things that kind of like sparked their either their curiosity or their their worry so you know what i i really like about what you're saying about like how you're kind of introducing this is that they're they're small things but they're not necessarily subtle and they don't have to be yeah like you can make something that grabs your player's attention but isn't a big like dangerous event 
And I, yeah. I like that. And I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind. I, I went yeah. with the big dangerous event in, in my first campaign. One of the players uh, had written up a backstory where he uh, had to leave the city because he was he had accidentally killed his brother in a underground fighting ring. <laughs> Okay. Um, and he had joined up with the the mercenary group and had like they, that's how he met the the rest of the party was joining the mercenaries as they were about to go and uh, go on a long campaign to kill a whole bunch of bandits who were menacing the countryside. So when they eventually got back to that town, one of the things that I knew was going to be lying in wait for him was the leader of that gang being like, "Hey, you still owe me," <laughs> and having a confrontation with a bunch of gang members. Well, that, that's what I like about this, right? Is it can be it can be small things, it can be big things. Like you can do it however you want. But like I think we were talking more about like how to keep people's backstories who aren't maybe relevant to the plot right now in the background, right? Kind of buzzing there is like you don't need to try and be super subtle, but you can still have things be small. One of the things that yeah. I really liked in the previous campaign um, when we were all still because about three quarters or halfway through my previous campaign, two of the players uh, moved into the interior. So we had to switch over to roll 20. But when we were all sitting around a table, one of the things that I really liked doing was giving them physical props. And the most yeah. common one were letters. Cause I play around with calligraphy pens and stuff. It's always fun to make up letters and stuff. And I think I did this two or three times where a messenger would arrive with a letter or two for each of the players. And in some cases, I would drop in just red herrings of just like, oh, it's it's your sister checking in on you. How are just making things? Everything's good. Farm life is doing OK. Or in the case of one of the players, the player who had a, uh, a disappear or what she thought was a dead father figure uh, got a mysterious note signed with his name. Hmm. saying to meet her to meet him in a specific city that they were planning on going to in the future hmm. and yeah i think there's there are so many ways that you can like bring those backstories back to the fore bring them back into the players minds with a with either a subtle reminder which are honestly a little more fun because when you see that light bulb go off it's just amazing <laughs> but oh, also yeah. like hitting them in the face with it can also be kind of satisfying because you get that oh shit this moment yeah well and it's yeah what's so great about this is you can do all of the different types of ways yeah i guess in terms of like bringing up backstory elements too maybe not necessarily something the player has to deal with immediately but sometimes just even reminding that you know about it i sometimes feel like players forget that you know all of it there was um a, an instance where our paladin uh and the party were fighting an oblex uh which i hadn't had a chance to use yet but part of the Paladin's backstory is that they were petrified underground for, I think, 400 years, 300 years. What? Yeah, that's so they, a cool fucking yeah. backstory. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, so they they missed, like, a whole war. Like, all this stuff happened, and they, they just, and that's how they met the party wizard. Uh, the wizard was investigating some ruins, which is where they found this, this statue that they realized was not a statue, and then they revived them. But that Paladin now has a fear of like being frozen that they didn't quite realize they had until the oblex they were fighting cast hold person on them and then oblex if you don't know they they can like take your memories and they can read your like they'll know your past and so it did that uh cast hold person on them and then i was like oh so it would know that this happened to her and now she's afraid of that 
So the paladins, they're stuck frozen and it just whispered in her ear, doesn't this feel familiar? So <laughs> stiff. And then like she freaked out because like she didn't even think that this thing would know that, but it did because of its power. Um, and that moment on its own was just absolutely amazing. For the players, it's it's fun when that moment happens or it can be fun. I mean, sometimes it's just freaky when you realize that your DM has been paying attention. But yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think for the players... I, I, I think for everybody, it's part of the reason that we play this game is it's collaborative storytelling and these kind of these backstories that give the DMs a chance to like show the player that, you know, yeah, we're paying attention and we're trying to craft a story that brings you all in. But I think it's something that the players can enjoy just as much as the DMs when, you know, we've talked a little bit about working with a player so that, you know, they've got a more of a backstory to work with or that they've got a secret from the rest of the party that you can spring in an opportune time. And I think that's kind of what all this backstory stuff is really about is, is it's an amazing tool if you use it right to craft really cool stories. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can I tell you guys a story quickly? Sure. Yes. Okay. So this is... um. This is kind of an example of me crafting using backstory stuff that didn't just that kind of fell flat, but I thought it was still a pretty cool idea. Um, so uh, our friend Jason Romain, in the first campaign I ran, his backstory was that his character had kind of lucked into killing a hag that was like going to eat her. Um, and so, you know, the game goes on. There's this period of time where the other characters are all kind of in a like magical teleportation stasis thing for several months don't worry about it it's not that important um (laughs) and he is like hunting this oni that had killed one of their party members um so you know he's he kind or her she sorry male player female character and i'm mixing it up uh she has been you know gaining kind of notoriety and the villain realizes that she's trying to hunt him and you know the villain's an oni and they're like nasty magical ogres basically and so he finds one of the hag's coven and they bring her back as a wraith. So in the lead up to the final like boss fight against this oni, like they walk into this room and these wraiths start like kind of swarming out of parts of it. And then of course the like the wraith version of this is that the right monster? What are the the ghoul, sorry, ghoul. This like a ghoul version of the hag shows up and wants to, you know, eat them eat them um and it was like um you know and i might be misremembering it now this was like five years ago almost but it was like it was a moment that i thought would have like much more impact but i think it was partially just the character's growth she was able to just look at it and go yeah i'm not afraid of you (laughs) and i think that's the thing though is that you know, we're not going to get this stuff right every single time and there's going to be times when you bring a backstory element out and the players are just going to be like cool but I think that those are more than made up for by the times that the players or the party goes, oh my God, or like, oh no, everything is fucked now. Yeah. And, you know, just yeah. just because somebody doesn't uh, react well or care, like even really care or whatever sometimes, that doesn't mean something like this isn't worth trying. It just means that that time it fell flat and next time it probably won't. Yeah. So I think that's about uh, yeah, I think- all the time that we've got because we've got to get ready for another interview yeah um why don't you ask the final question jesse uh yeah austin if you could you know hop in a time machine cast some sort of time displacement spell i guess would be more appropriate 
um, and go back to when you first started running, what's a piece of advice you'd give yourself about working players' backstories into the game? I'd say just do it more, because I know when I started, I was unsure of how to approach it. And I, I, I guess I just tell myself to like really sit down with, if I wasn't sure if a player's backstory had enough meat, sit down with them and talk with them about it more. Because I kind of jumped into DMing really quick, um, which meant that like when I started, was I wasn't super good. Um, but as I did it more, obviously, like you, you gain that, like that skill as you go. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd tell myself to to sit down with the players and like really talk with them about what they have in their backstories, what they want, what they expect from the game, um, what they think would be cool. Um, that's always really fun to talk with them about because even if they haven't necessarily written something in their backstory, if you talk with them about what they think is cool in a story. Sometimes it gives you an idea of what maybe you could bring to their story with them or without their knowledge until it happens. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. Um, ooh, I also want to give like a quick piece of advice because I just thought of this because a player did it for me and it was great. Um, you know, if you're a player in a game and you've you know written a bit of backstory, like feel free to point out the bits of it that you might want your DM to touch on in the game because yes. it it's so helpful and. Yeah, when you come to your DM with a, you know, page or two of backstory, but you highlight, like, this is the part that I want to impact the game, that gives us so much more to work with. Because instead of trying to figure out, like, oh, is it this piece that I should work with or this piece? Like, no, take these two sentences and make it into something awesome you can bring into the game. Totally. And also, like, uh, I think a thing like I like to be pretty open about as a DM is that, like, I make up a lot of the plot as I go. I have ideas about where it's going to go but i don't know details right so mm -hmm. if a player does that i can be like aha a whole section of this is going to be about this somehow excellent <laughs> yeah okay austin thank you so much for coming on uh where can people find you online yeah uh people can find me on twitter uh under the username dev or deve it's spelled d-e-v-e -E. i'm also on instagram as french underscore fart um, and those are yeah, they're the best two places to find me. Perfect. Is there anything that you wanted to, to plug before we get out of here? I'm, I'm, everything I'm working on right now is under NDA, so I can't really plug a whole lot. <laughs> but uh, if anyone lives in the Toronto area, I'm going to be at MCX this year in Mississauga uh, selling comics and stuff. So come see me there if you want to buy stuff. Yeah, go buy Austin's comics. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks so much for coming out. And talk to you next time yeah talk to you next time yeah thank you so much okay bye our art is done by the wonderful Haley moros our theme music is overworld by kevin mcleod you can find us on social media at at dms of vancouver and also on facebook uh, you can find this podcast on google play itunes spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts and if you enjoy the show please rate and review us on itunes and tell your friends about the show Word of mouth really helps shows like ours grow and find an audience. And we're also part of the Cave Goblin Network. You can find our shows and many others at cavegoblins.com. And you can support us and the rest of the network at patreon.com slash cavegoblins. Everyone is Jonas is a live-streamed, competitive role-playing podcast hosted by me, Doug Vandalay. Me, Eric Ivanovich. And me, Talia Murdoch. On twitch.tv forward slash cavegoblins every Monday at 7.30 p.m. PST. I was told that once, the earth was shaped like a dish. This was a time before mortals, or the law. 
That time has long since passed, and no one tells those stories anymore. All they care to tell these days, over and over again, are the tales of Frost Cricket. Hear them all on the Cave Goblin Network. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.